Star Trek, The Nerdy Frontier. These are the discussions of the Good Time Society. Their continuing mission, to explore each episode, to seek out new topics and ridiculous observations, to boldly watch what they've already watched before. I am thinking about putting a fully white backdrop that is backlit behind me for all of my future streams and interviews. Uh, what do you guys think? Just as wow. long as it's real up close on your face and like nothing else. Yes. Mm-hmm, correct. I'll give myself very minimal headspace up top. I'll also make sure that it's like fluorescent-like lighting and really Jake, outlines my ears. I don't want you to ears. be offended or anything, but mm-hmm. I think your ears might be too small for that. Ooh. Might be Ooh. Becca, I'm all ears. <laughs> That's <laughs> human say. say. <laughs> uh, welcome to To Boldly Watch. This is the battle. This is when a group of Ferengi give Picard some trauma to relive. We unlocked his backstory. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I learned to never cross a Ferengi. That's what I learned. They may be squirrely when they beam into your bridge. <laughs> I love that Ferengi beam. Yeah. Yeah. They start standing up straight and then they just immediately go into like squirrely poses. Yeah. <laughs> Why were they allowed to be beamed onto the bridge? That seemed like a, either a choice of like, well, yeah. we don't have enough time in the schedule to go light another set. I think Let's that's just put it. them in here. They don't want Sounds to be right. in the transporter room set. <laughs> oh, actually, better theory. They wanted to be there when the stargazer appears so they could like point to it and be like, we've given you a gift, Captain. Ooh, that's a good story reason, but also they'd probably repurpose some of the transporter room into the stargazer set. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's talk about this a little bit. I mean, how does this even really start? Like the Ferengi have asked the Enterprise to uh, just show up and be here and we've got something for you. And the Ferengi don't respond when they hail them. Is no, that right? Stand by. Just stand by. Just Keep standing stand by. by. Just stand, stand by. by. Just wait. Just wait. You <laughs> asked me to come. Open the front door. I'm here. Hold, please. Hold, please. <laughs> But we find out later it's because uh, Picard's headaches are actually part of a larger purpose. Wait, so wait, yeah, wait. Picard has. What was that word that you? T- a headache? <laughs> yes, ache Xander. In your head. It's this primitive condition that we humans once went through in history huh. before dehydration was cured. I am so excited for a future without headaches, and I'm sure anybody in the audience with migraines feels the same way. I mean, how did they do that for when they just hear annoying noises? Like, do people in the future not hear annoying noises? There were a lot of things that kind of went wrong, but you know, they tried. <laughs> They're like, what sort of thing could we have cured by this point? The common cold was a good thing. The headaches, maybe, maybe rethink that one. <laughs> I think part of what bored me with the headaches a bit is because they spent so long on it, like describing his pain. Uh, This is an episode I feel really could have used a B-plot. Like the A-plot was actually pretty fascinating as it was written, but it took 50 minutes to get through. And I feel like we could have done something more than just watch Picard slowly figure out what was going on. Yeah, there wasn't too much going on aside from Riker getting tested and being stepping up as first, you know, facing off with the first of the Ferengi. But Mm. something we did learn through the headache debacle is that Xander was not lying when he told us the chain of command is Crusher is above the captain and she said it herself from the only person who can give you an order and then 
The captain immediately disregards her order. <laughs> yeah, I like to think that, so Picard, uh, they bring this up sort of later, that Picard in his younger years especially was very reckless and brash and sort of like like uh, stuck it to the man, so to say. Uh, he had an incident where he kind of got over that pretty quickly and then has furthered his Starfleet career. But I think they were sort of showing that the Picard on the Stargazer of the past is a different Picard than who we see on the Enterprise here. And as his reality starts started to merge together he started to say the wrong names uh, he started to think that he was on the stargazer instead you can see this sort of cocky attitude that comes back that maybe this battle has affected and and he's grown as a character and i think that was i mean really it should cool have way. affected and they named a maneuver after him i, I did not know say that it. The <laughs> well you know xander did you laugh every time you heard this because they're referring to the wrong maneuver they very much are it's the card maneuver when you pull your shirt down <laughs> obviously but that hadn't yet been established right. and riker had heard word of the picard maneuver before it seems the thing stuff of lore right. uh to half teleport and uh, be coming at your enemy from two directions so they don't know which one to hit. I also call that the Terminator maneuver. <laughs> Let's actually talk about what you guys mean by the shirt pulling thing because people can't actually see what you're doing yeah. when you describe it. But is, is it the fact that the uniforms in later seasons are separated because they have shirts and pant kind of uh, combinations, yep. but they bunch up when they sit, right? So Picard yeah. constantly tucks down. Is yeah, right? he, he tugs down on the front of the uniform, and that has that since becomes the Picard maneuver of just doing that before or while sitting. And then oh. I don't know if he's done it yet, but keep an eye out for the Riker maneuver, where, where he swivels a chair around and swings his leg over. And it's because Jonathan yeah. Frakes had back problems and uh, had an issue getting in and out of those seats. So he started doing it, it just becomes the Riker maneuver. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of the Riker maneuver. It yeah. is one of my favorite things that I have watched the compilations having not even uh, seen all of those episodes so can't wait to go down that lane but yeah, yeah. the Picard maneuver because he is a trained actor he never just does it he does it with purpose and yes. distinction every time he adjusts that shirt Right, but uh, the Picard maneuver in story is actually really a cool concept uh, that this is sort of um, explaining one of the reasons that Picard is held in such high esteem that we see him now, that he's the captain of the ship. It's fun to sort of delve into his past to see the great deeds that he's done, and this particular maneuver utilizes warp technology in that we've seen it in the animation that when they're going to warp, it sort of like slows down and then it zips off in like this sort of... Uh, wormhole type effect, right? Well, this is explaining that on someone's sensors, especially a sensor that might not be as fine-tuned as something from the Federation, when that happens and you warp to somewhere close by for a, a brief fraction of a second, because time is relative, there appears to be two uh, ships. And so you can fire from either one, and they don't know their shields can only protect them from one or the other. <gasps> Oh, so they were shooting from both. They couldn't shoot from both, but the, the maneuver is that the enemy didn't know which where, where it was coming from. Yes. You, you change it to a 50-50 shot, right. essentially, right? Uh, I love that the warp effects for that were older class, too. If you notice, there's, like, blue and pink laser yeah. or warp beams that kind of come out, and that's from the Star Trek movies of the original right. series, right? Yeah. 
uh, yeah, that was a fun little effect. Also, the, the Ferengi warp, uh, excuse me, the Ferengi uh, transport right. has like this the interesting swirl. spiral in it. Yeah, too. I don't remember if we see a whole lot of that ever again, but it was fun for this episode. Do you think <laughs> that was some of the updated graphics that we've heard that we're watching Ooh. when we use Netflix? I don't know, or, honestly. I, I need to actually do a dive into what is different in each episode yeah. and start looking for that. Because I would, I would believe that it's something similar, but they just sort of cleaned it up. But you can see how quickly they realize that they need to be really true to the specifics because people are watching and need to know. I think that there was a different director on this episode because there was a shot I noticed on the Stargazer toward the end of the episode, basically mm-hmm. at the climax of the episode. And don't want to say, you know, we'll get there story-wise, but mm-hmm. uh, it was Picard is flown backwards and it's from the ground, which in this era oh, of yeah. television, most shots are pretty standard coverage you don't get too fancy with the shots there's no time for it yeah but there was a shot on the ground looking up at him as he flew backwards that was really cool there were also a couple of shots that needed to rack focus that didn't happen and i was like oh (laughs) (laughs) they didn't have the lens they needed for that one (laughs) that explosion of picard's when he kills the sphere is what you're referring to right? right with his phaser yeah, so that that was like the most needed dramatic thing that could happen because everything else was simulated and we only heard it, right? Yeah. We didn't really see anything, so we needed like a big leap from the explosion right. moment. It was a good leap. Uh, it's funny. Good stunt work. It's if you're gonna mention uh, the directing a little bit, Becca, I have to read something from Memory Alpha that kind of caught my eye. Oh. This is from director Rob Bowman on filming the scenes aboard the Stargazer. "Quote: It was just Patrick Stewart on stage, and when I shot first unit, I put a little compass." a degree meter on the camera and I got vertical, horizontal and lateral degrees and height of the camera and etc. <laughs> so then we would go back and do matching shots of the people in the chairs <gasps> for the overlay for the overlays, oh, cool. right? So they did all that in post production. So they did the same angles and the sure. same shots multiple times. That, Impressive. Like you could have done that with an old film like technology of layering film over each other, but this was probably one of the first times that they could do it digitally and quickly. And the, I mean, it wasn't all just done digitally. I mean, it was done digitally too. But they were. He says he's. He thinks he's the first person to use the Steadicam on that show. Wow. Which I mean, Steadicams have been around, but that was the first time they had done it with that. So oh, incredible. Cool. Uh, Jake, do you want to get us back into the plot and the Ferengi and their new tech? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is like, is it their tech? We talk about the thought, the memory. Okay, they, they found the a new moments? toy. Thought maker. It's a yeah. thought maker, yeah. of course. Yeah, I think they bought it actually. Like they they bartered it from some other species or something like that because they said uh, one of the crew member the uh, the fir- the first officer on the other ship mm-hmm. mentioned specifically it's like we're not even allowed to have those. That's a good point that it's illegal within the Ferengi society as well. Oh right, yes, so. and this was part of why the first officer on the other ship deposed his yep. captain or or Damon bonding. as they call them. Damon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that was an interesting hook in there as we find out, oh, this guy's an operating officially. He's doing his own little revenge, which uh, key to Ferengi philosophy, it was a unprofitable venture. Yes. So he gets taken out of control. It's very much against the rules of acquisition. Is that what it's called? Is that their prime directive, the rules of acquisition? The rules of acquisition are, I think ah. it gets established later for Ferengi, are sort of the guidelines that they live by. And they could spout off a number like rule of acquisition number 474 is don't go into this unprofitable venture with John Luke Picard. <laughs> <laughs> and they all happen to mention Picard and profitability. Yeah, exactly. uh, so I just want to dive in here and recap for people who may not remember. So what happens in this episode is the Ferengi Damon, Damon Bach. He is 
real pissed because <laughs> his son was on the ship that was the victim of the Picard maneuver, where Picard, from his Stargazer ship, which destroyed the Stargazer ship, basically. It wasn't really functional anymore. Uh, he he shot up this ship that was shooting at him first, so he felt like he had the right and uh, did so. And then this Ferengi has decided he's going to find the decommissioned Stargazer floating in space. He's going to get into Picard's head and replay messages from his past just to fuck with him. And not only that, but um, Bach um, actually forged a, a memory log from Picard's <laughs> voice, which is crazy because this is another instance of forward-thinking technology that we don't have yet. We got video deepfakes, but we don't have a voice deepfake. So they created a full-on deepfake. To, and, uh, of course, the Federation has a record of, you know, the Star Diary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what it's called. <laughs> the Star Diary is right. That's correct. The that's Captain's canon. Log. Captain's Log. Yes, thank you. Uh, that's that's an appropriate. I'm going to call it a Star Diary because <laughs> uh, it feels more fitting. I mean, Star Diary works with Thoughtmaker as yeah, well. Yeah. There's some silly names in this episode for her. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all in all, it's a pretty solid revenge plan considered. It really is. It just takes so long to get through, it felt yeah. like. I actually wrote in my notes, did I have too much coffee or is this super slow? And I definitely had coffee, but like, <laughs> I just was waiting for things to happen. I, I kind of felt it was kind of predictable a little bit. For sure. I mean, it really was a chance for uh, Patrick Stewart to mm-hmm. sort of dive deep into some solo scenes, you know, back to his Macbeth days and doing the soliloquy. Yeah. But yeah, the the script just needed more going on. But they definitely, like, I think that's where where they were headed was they wanted to give Picard some more depth because right now it was he hates kids and it's the French thing and they're ditching yeah. some of that. So they're like, we, can, we need to give him sort of this grittier backstory so that there's some depth to the decisions that he's making because we saw it in the last episode. It was... Beverly seemed sort of taken aback at his cavalier approach to his her son's like life or death situation, and now we see why. It's because he's keeping his calm because he lost his calm in the past. Yeah, he, Patrick Stewart is such a charming guy. Yeah, like, he is so charismatic, and they put him in the like the role of the principal of, right. a, of a school in the first few episodes. And like, I think this is the wise choice: is to go away from that hating kids thing and go away from the the just the French motif yeah. for whatever that was. Yeah, and in emphasizing this a little bit more, I, I think that's the that's a great pivot. Well, yeah, yeah and his buddy Vigo. Now I got a pitch for a backstory or a second storyline. More of him with his old crew on the Stargazer. I want to see him do the data thing of playing different versions of himself. I want to see partying Captain Picard with Vigo, having a few tequilas on an alien planet. You're not alone. (laughs) We have have asked for this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And there's sort of a PTSD thing going on. He's really reliving a lot of this trauma. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that's their way of uh, exploring PTSD in in a society where that wasn't common, common parlance yet. People didn't really understand. Like, they understood to an extent when you had someone that you knew that was involved in a war, but to the extent that we have advocated mental health now and people are aware of different conditions, this was sort of like groundbreaking television. Well, it's literal gaslighting too, right? Yeah. I mean, the thought maker, like, changes your memory of the thing. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, so Super, super Trumpian is what I wrote down. The, yeah. the Frankie are, are not opposed to denying truth. I mean, the first time we met them, they just sort of said, spouted this whole other version of, 
humanity and what they've done uh, to to that old god guy, you know, the wizard. Yeah, right. And I don't think that it's too much of a stretch to see that that behavior is linked directly to the greed of capitalism. So look into that as you will. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. If only they could be more like the Edo, you know? Yeah, exactly. They didn't even need money. There is a note that I had here, and I forget exactly the context of it, but it was a quote that I think Riker says, and it might be when the Ferengi are referencing the the female humans again, of <laughs> them being, like, useful or something, and he goes, like, they are that, sir. And I just wrote, ugh, <laughs> straight guys. <laughs> Gross. See, they made the exact same clothed female joke as they did in their first introduction in the series. Yeah. Like, I was kind of expecting them to go on the same riff but with a different line, but right. they just repeated it. Yeah, ugh. I did like I did like the creepy uh, second officer who was like, and the android was mentioned too, and he gets way up in Data's face. Yeah, yeah. And then later yeah. on, it's sort of reflected in Wesley when he comes in with these solutions and Troy and Crusher leave him and he goes, you're welcome, ladies, and then goes, adults. Adults. But it just goes to show <laughs> that being a, a male child, he thinks that he has status over like women who are in positions of power. Just oh, tell me about it. Sense of privilege, you know. <laughs> yeah, I live with that my whole life. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, fun nerd note about this uh, episode. The no, 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 no nerd stuff here. <laughs> We're only talking this is Star a Trek. Star Trek podcast. No nerd stuff. <laughs> Sorry, I almost forgot myself. Uh, the Stargazer was originally a Constitution class starship, which mm -hmm. uh, some of you nerds may know. Constitution class was the original Enterprise yep. from. Uh, the original series. Uh, however, they decided instead of it having look just like the Enterprise, because that might be a little boring to have another one out there, uh, they renamed it Constellation Class. Yes. But they did this after the filming had been done. Therefore, anytime someone says Constellation Class in the in the episode, it's it's lip synced with them ADRing in Constellation. Wow, instead. I didn't know that, but I did know where they were filming. Uh, they, there was a lot of noise, or was it here or, or another episode? The La oh, so the last episode oh, right. uh, in Justice, there were they were near an airport, so That's they right. were so they constantly had to do like ADR, ADR yeah. for all of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, they changed it for this, and they made they pretty much like kit bashed a bunch of other um, Enterprise models to make this thing that they have, which is now called the Constellation Class. It makes sense. I never knew that, and you would yeah. want to pick a uh, a word that looks similar for like the diphthongs of Constitution, you know. Yeah, no, they 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 pulled it off. That yeah. was a smart little switcheroo. Uh, the nerd in me loves all the the models of different Federation ships, which oh, we'll get into more as we see them. Have you dabbled into Star Trek Online at all? Because that's what that is. <laughs> I'm afraid I'll never come out. Yeah, you probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I felt like it was it, overall this episode like was good on paper but like as far as it's pacing i was just kind of needing it to gallop a little bit more i uh yeah. I, I liked at the end where we kind of just um eh, we worked through it <laughs> like riker's just like you know what things are different uh just look out for a sphere and shoot it and that'll pretty much end the conflict yeah I, okay <laughs> you saw it as like i took it as someone trying to guide someone through a hallucination like you have some sort of connection you just need to keep repeating the point that, so they get but through what was the connection they didn't even have like a personal like uh message or anything like that there wasn't there wasn't a uh for lack of a better term a connection to right. like pierce through right yeah uh data kind of just figured out a solution to the picard maneuver in about 18 seconds or so <laughs> yeah well I which is that's too many seconds for data. Give him some credit. <laughs> yeah. Well, Riker did say, figure it out. So, yeah. you know, yeah. he had to do it. And 
Data was like, it can't be beaten. And he's like, well, beat it. He's like, all right, uh, okay, got it. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when an android puts his mind to something. Now, what I thought about the uh, the final sequence of Picard on the Stargazer is that um, it's a kind of a missed opportunity, in my mind, storytelling-wise, where sometimes you'll have a main character and someone's trying to thought control them, and mm-hmm. it's you see this test of will of them pushing through and overcoming, and they did eventually do that when Riker's like, hey, shoot the thing with the phaser and he's like phaser phaser shoot ball ball (laughs) go me but but i wanted to see more of picard's power of mind being the thing that was able to overcome a thought maker um but it was kind of like ah no it's on you can't do anything yeah i think this also sets the tone uh, just coming uh, from a perspective of where he goes this sets that tone of picard is a mentally strong character that can overcome significant mental blocks and odds and i think that is what they're establishing here and we'll find more of that uh, especially later on in the series i really just compare everything to harry dresden in my mind so oh that's, that's a <laughs> harry, great comparison harry would have like dived deep into but you know when you don't have the main character's interior monologue it's more difficult to do that exactly (laughs) but that's why you have something like the captain's log where we can get an insight into that interior monologue Ooh, so good yeah i would have done an outro log like i battled in my own mind and then i said phaser 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 and i pulled out my phaser (laughs) you know they find some of that pacing later on too of like both the beginning and an end cap maybe recounting some things as they introduced a plots and b plots so we're still finding our footing here on the show (laughs) yeah this is one that the the intention was there but needed a little more oh one thing we didn't discuss before uh, we go is Wesley has his new cutie shirt. Isn't that his uh, oh. ensign shirt? <laughs> yes, because yes. it has all three of the colors of the different departments, representing that he could go in any direction. Uh, and uh, he sort of shows off his know-how in boosting the long-range sensors somehow. <laughs> Data doesn't even understand that. Right. You're going to talk about like, sidebar. He's reading people's brain patterns. Like, I feel like he's definitely doing some intrusive scanning aboard the ship yeah. in his freshman year here. He's like an undeclared major wearing that shirt, isn't he? Yeah. And not only that, we can see that there are guidelines that are put in place. And we see this direct reprimand from Picard of like, you did a good job, but there are protocols for this. You could have been doing an invasive scan. They could have detected and set like a war. So if you find out information, this is the chain of command you should go down yeah he marched up to the bridge yeah. and interrupted two officers talking right he? like it's because they're bold move i like that they they sort of put him in his place because he's had mm-hmm. too much god power as this child character <laughs> well let me just put everybody's mind at ease and let you know that the wesley crusher sweater is available on Etsy. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I might need to uh, post a picture uh, when mine comes in. Yeah, yes, I am ordering do. right now. <laughs> it's a cute sweater. Well, that was episode The Battle. Uh, next week, we're watching a real fun one. It's called Hide in Q. Because Ooh. Q returns to the Enterprise testing Commander Riker by giving him the power of the Q. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What would Riker do? Well, we're going to find out because he can do anything he wants. It's going to be a Riker field trip day. Yeah. And he just might get engaged. Engaged. (laughs) Engaged.